This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Savaged Unfiltered. All right, guys, uh, welcome to today's show. Uh, today is going to be a bonus show, guys. Uh, joining us today is a author and writer. Uh, Mr. Joe Teplin. Uh, folks, Joe is, uh, is a man that uses the concept of everyday excellence. And today we're going to learn about what everyday excellence means uh, behind the man and the author himself, Joe Teplin. Now, folks, he also uh, follows uh, the concept excellence as a habit. And also stating that habits need to be acted upon daily. Uh, welcome to the show, Joe. How are you doing, sir? Michael, I'm doing awesome. We're in the middle of a thunderstorm, so if I accidentally get kicked off, no, it's not me being stupid again. It's Mother Nature. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, stupidity, uh, it, it's okay. You can't blame stupidity. You got to blame Mother Nature. So I, I do understand that, uh, Joe. Joe, I want to get it, get into uh, basically, you know, uh, just who Joe Teplin is. Um, can you explain to the listeners here and, uh, and the viewers that are tuning into, you know, just about any other platform of, of, of just who you are, sir? So I'm a human Swiss army knife in a lot of ways because I've done so many different things, been exposed to so many different concepts, ideas, uh, professions in different ways. So, uh, to give a brief, brief synopsis, uh, I'm a farm kid by background. My mom, the nun. Yes, my mom, the nun. Uh, <laughs> leaving the convent, marrying my dad, who was an army guy. He ended up going into consulting, spent 50 plus years consulting. Uh, my mom was a biology professor in college and then left that, ended up having six kids. Uh, we grew oh, wow. up in, in a rural community. My hometown did not get a traffic light until after I was out of grad school. Um, let's see what else is important. Yeah, sure. Hi. Sorry, I was just making sure that uh, the surge suppressor was plugged in so I don't fry the computer and, you know, have... Oh, so when I was 10 years old, I was severely, severely asthmatic as a child. When I was 10 years old, I died. Obviously, I got better. Um, oh, my God. Started college at 13 because my parents said 12 was too young. Went to the Hopkins program, same program that Zuckerberg went to. No, I do not know him. Uh, and then <laughs> ended up going to Rensselaer, where I was a physicist. I worked for DARPA, developing weapons for the government. Uh, somewhere along the line, maybe I was like 12, I started Taekwondo. Uh, ultimately, got my black belt, became master rank, won an international championship. 
um, picked up running along the way, started ultra running a few years ago. During COVID, I actually ran two, yes, two ultra marathons. Uh, I hate running, by the way. Um, I've been an intelligence officer. I built an incredibly successful financial services career. And uh, along the way, I did a lot of writing for local newspapers, some national magazines and newspapers. And as part of how I dealt with COVID, I ended up writing the book, Everyday Excellence, A Daily Guide to Growing. Oh, wow. You know, so Joe, uh, you mentioned... Out here. Yeah, you mentioned some really, really interesting things as you were explaining to the listeners, uh, you know, of, of who you are. Uh, something caught my eye, and I'm sure the listeners uh, were listening as well, too, uh, with the, um, you know, I... Uh, can you go into that? Like, what do you mean you almost died? Was it like well, a no, uh, life? I almost died. I actually died. You know, flat line, floating out of your body, bright lights, big, deep, booming voice, all that, you know, came on back. I literally died. Oh, wow. So, can you experience uh, an experience that you might have? I mean, you said you've seen the big, big white lights. I mean, did you, I mean, I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, neurotic here, but I mean, did you, you know, uh, I mean, did you experience the, the, the afterlife, so to speak? No, because I didn't quite get there. I mean, like, you know, the big deep voice was like, it's not yet time. And then I was back down in my body. So I didn't quite finish the journey. It was sort of like one of my uh, plane trips where you're stuck on the tarmac for a while. So yeah. I ended up coming back. And that's basically the reason why I'm like this is my friends say, I burned the candle at both ends and in the middle with a flamethrower. So those oh, wow. 6,400 seconds we get every day, I use it. Yeah. And, and, and this is something that you mentioned in your book, right? About the, uh, about the, the, the death experience that you had experienced. In Actually, the, uh, I don't mention it in the book anywhere. That's a special treat for your listeners. Um, oh, okay. Okay. It's something that I've just recently started talking about actually after having some conversations with other people, but it has dramatically influenced my attitude and my approach towards things. So oh, I bet. I, in most situations, we either can go total multitask and do multiple things at the same time. So mm -hmm. like you're driving into work and you can listen to a podcast. You're, you know, you can be listening to music and talking to somebody on the phone while commuting. You can be making dinner, supervising kids, doing homework, and, um, you know, listening to an audio book with them or music or what have you. And if you yeah. have kids like I do, you're supervising multiple sets of homework. So it's like a three ring circus at that point. Sure. So you can, you know, I work out, you know, I'll be running, I'll be listening to an audio book or I'll be on the treadmill. And I'll have the computer playing music and um, a podcast going that I'm listening to simultaneously. So you can double or right. triple dip on a lot of those sort of things. I mean, this is right, why right. I don't sit there and it's watch sports or in like the Super Bowl. I'll listen to the Yankees games on the MLB. Uh, the Yankees? Oh, I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, so you might not like me. <laughs> you know what? I'll tolerate you. Oh, you'll talk. That's okay. Well, I'm originally from, uh, yeah. I'm originally from Holliston, so. 
Yeah, I'm originally from New York, but I, you know, I reside here in the in the Sunshine State, also known as the Freedom State of Florida. But uh, you know, I I want to get into something uh, rather interesting. I mean, you know, before we get there, I mean, Joe, it sounds like you're a traditional all around uh, American. You you've led a very interesting life, and now now you know. Uh, uh, stating that you know you you have gotten into work with uh, with Intel, which I find very very interesting. I love to uh, uh, ask a few questions about that, um, and you know what made you go to that, uh, which is actually interesting, Joe, because I mean you're actually the second uh, uh, guest here that I've had on the show uh, that uh, was a, uh, a an Intel officer. You know, I had another guest on my show uh, by the name of Pedro Orta. Uh, is, uh, excuse me, Pedro Israel Orta. I had to get the name correct. And, uh, you know, it's, it's quite fascinating. Um, what made you get into the, uh, the intelligent uh, industry? So I actually had not one but two really bad business experiences where it turned out I was working with felons who stole all the money. So oh, wow. Millions of dollars. And it turns out that the other people that one was an organization I joined on the other one, I uh, went to business with somebody who a deeper dive would have determined that he had a bad background and was a bad human being. So that those are two shame on me situations. But when I went from applied physics into nuclear engineering in graduate school, my first uh, class that I took was called Nuclear Reactor Analysis. And on the first exam, I got 99. And my professor asked me, how'd you do this? And I'm like, I just thought like a neutron. And he's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But he's completely you know, crazy and actually a brilliant entrepreneur at this point. Uh, I still yeah. maintain contact with him almost 30 years later. But Having been then exposed to really bad people who were doing financial crimes, essentially. Hey, guys. If you're looking for a steak, I know it's hard to find steak, right? You know, a lot of restaurants that just overcooked, undercooked, just not to your taste buds, right? You want that juicy steak. Look no further than Omaha Steak. I love them, guys. Love them. If I didn't love them, why wouldn't I be promoting them on the podcast today? Go over to Omaha Steaks, okay? They are phenomenal, guys. The juiciest steak you'll ever taste in your life, okay? A lot of people are like, well, how does it get delivered to your house? You know, with gnats and bugs going to get into it. And it. No, no, no. It's not, you don't have to worry about all that. It is in a sealed perishable bag. Deliver it to your house. So you don't have to worry about the gnats and the bugs get into it. It's fresh from the time they ship it from their distribution center to the time it arrives at your house. The juiciest steak you'll ever have in your life, guys. Check them out today. Omaha Steaks. Love them. Phenomenal. Unfiltered. Put on a black hat a little bit in terms of that. Well, I mean, you have to act as a bad guy, Joe, you know, to, to truly understand, you know, coming from a criminal mindset to understand, you know, how they got to that level and what made them uh, go to that, that, that insanity, right? I mean, yeah, I mean it's not insanity. It's, 
you know, just a complete and total almost narcissism is other people exist to serve me and I deserve to take this money. And one of the guys like completely wrapped himself in faith and flat. I mean, he's a, you know, former Marine and he's the one bad Marine I've ever met, unfortunately. Um, and, hmm. you know, you know, Bible thumper and all that. And he, he was using it as a camouflage, essentially. Oh, wow. Be able to perform malfeasance. And so this, you know, after having those experiences, I uh, reached out to him and talked to Everett Stern from Tactical Rabbit, um, which is a private intelligence agency because the CIA can't operate on U.S. soil. And, you know, uh, started, you know, uh, asked him to do some stuff, hired him to do things. He's like, hey, you know, you've got an interesting background. Let's get you to, you know, do some analysis work here. And then within nine months, he's like, oh, wow. And ended up hooking me up with some people and we won't talk too much about who and all that. But I ended up starting uh, tracking down criminals, specifically on the financial criminal side, because I was very good at playing the game of follow the money. Yeah. Can you explain to the listeners on, on what you mean by that? You know, following the money. Um, so you, the entire world exists on a capitalistic basis. Let's not forget that. I don't care if oh, you've yeah. got a terrorist who's hiding in a cave in Afghanistan. They, they have weapons that they did not make. They have technology that they did not create. Everything revolves around money on the planet. If you don't believe that, I got a bridge to sell you in uh, Brooklyn. But so <laughs> all money leaves a trace in some capacity. It might be digital, even if it is gold, even if it's, you know, uh, you know, putting value in art and then unlocking it on the far side or diamonds or some of these other things, there is always a trace. So if you can play follow the money, you can find where value is being transferred. And if need be, you can stop it from being transferred. And, uh, you know, you mentioned follow the money. I mean, this concept uh, also, too, Joe, I mean, this this goes back, you know, generations. I mean, our... our, our back to the start of capitalism. The moment that yeah. we started trading and using things to represent other things, you know, gold, silver, copper, coins, there has been games played around it. And Absolutely. So I mean, our founders as well. I'm sorry, Michael. What did you say? Oh, I'm said. I, you know, even our founders. I mean, this goes back to our founders. I mean, it, it was the same concept that they, uh, they that they were uh, pretty much getting involved with as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look, there's always some form of leverage. There's always some sort of transfer. There's always some way of trying to avoid it. I mean, even the smuggling of tea. In the early days to avoid taxing uh, yeah. right the whiskey rebellion because of the taxation because of the revenue officers i mean you eventually that led to full organized crime when alcohol was prohibited and now we needed a way to move it and all of a sudden you have violent crime and all this sort of stuff so it you know the unintended consequences of laws create issues it also creates opportunities and being able to think a second, third, fourth order magnitude impact is one of the things that I've been very good at. 
but also being able to say, all right, if this happens and this and this and this, and all of a sudden you're jumping from step A to step Q, as my ex-wife used to say, because I couldn't you know, lay out the steps, I just could intuitively do it. And you can actually be there waiting for them when they try to do their bad thing. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, you know, you know, leading a, a tremendous career as an intel officer, you know, uh, I'm sure you have seen and experienced some of, you know, uh, life's most, you know, dangerous criminals, cartels, uh, you know, just about everything in this world that can be thrown at you. Um, I have seen a lot of stuff. I haven't always been on the front lines, but I get some really good stories from a lot of my friends who, whether they were in Afghanistan or Europe or South America, I, you know, I've, I've talked with people who have seen much, much scarier stuff than I have. But yeah, there have been some not nice situations. Yeah. Now, my now my question here, Joe, is you know, as as a career in in, in savage, unfiltered, something for a half hour every single day. At the end of the year, you are a lot better off. You are an improved yeah, individual, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and then uh, if you keep doing it over one year, two years, three years, over you know, if you spend a half hour a day. After yeah, well, five I mean, and a half years, you put a thousand hours into something. You have well, you know, in that space. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to throw in this. You know, like, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, especially in my generation, I'm sure your generation is too. Uh, you seem that you're not too much older than me, but uh, we we come come from almost the similar uh, generations, where our parents would say, you know, practice makes perfect. You know, you 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 continue to practice that trait or that or that. Um, uh, that passion in life, you know, you're going to eventually master it. And that craft is going to be that passion uh, that you desire in life, whether it's writing books, um, you know, uh, uh, getting into martial arts, anything, podcasting for that matter. Exactly. Eventually, exactly, Joe, when you do it every single day, you're going to master it and it's going to come uh, very easy to you. And, you know, especially in today's society, uh, this could be uh, looked as a as a life lesson, this book, Joe. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it take, anything that's worthwhile takes a while. Let me repeat that. Anything that's worthwhile takes a while. You can't microwave yeah. the baby and have them pop out in two months. Period. Case closed. Well, I think... I think that's what we see in today's society. I mean, I think everybody wants that, you know, that upper hand and that that glory or whatever they're looking for right away. You know, you know, like, you know, it's not it's not a snap of a finger. And like you said, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to let it marinate, you know, like you're marinating a chicken or a steak, you know, let it marinate. And eventually, you know, it's going to work itself out. You know what I mean? And this is one of the things that I learned growing up on the farm is that you do the hard work every single day that you need to. And there's certain seasons when you do things, a certain time when you, uh, you know, plow the field, certain time when you plant, certain time when you're harvesting. But if you do this and you do what you have to do every single day with the vision of where you want to go, you'll eventually reap the rewards. So that whether it's as a martial artist or like an entrepreneur, okay, you're not going to build a billion dollar company overnight. No, it but takes time. If you have the vision of being a billion dollar company. 
and you go on in and you do the coding every day, and you do the A-B testing and you do the marketing and you do the things on a daily basis and grind knowing that this is leading to something important long range, then you don't get as frustrated. You don't get burned out because you're working for something glorious and you can put in the long hours over an extended period of time to eventually achieve that great result. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, you, you know, as, as a, as a book, uh, uh, as an author, as, as a, as a writer, you know, um, I have a question. I, I I seem to have a lot of you know authors and writers that come on the show sometimes, and and just listening from different backgrounds and different passions, uh, you know, with your writing and everything, Joe, um, is this something that came from you know roots from your childhood, or have you always thought about writing books? Like, what made you write your first book? So the first book that I actually wrote was probably 12, 13 years ago. And it was a tax book. And it oh. was very slim. It was top tax plays. And it was designed to, using my background as a financial advisor, and I'm, you know, I'd literally read the entire tax code. I, and like oh. when the Affordable Care Act came out, I actually literally sat there and read every single page of it. So I'm one of the few people who uh, had that sort of deep knowledge. My friends who were CPAs actually joked that I knew more about the tax code than they did. And it was, a, sounds like a tutorial book, you know, it, it was, so it was, you know, an insight into the logic What's, behind the tax code. Oh, okay. And it had about 20 or 30 different examples of overlooked deductions or things that people could do to minimize their tax bill. So that was my first foray. And it was about 50 page book sold pretty well. It was top 10 in it. Um, tax is on Kindle. Next year, I wrote another one similar to that. But I was also writing newspaper articles and things like that. I've been writing poetry right along. So after that, yeah. I started doing something longer form, more impactful. And I wrote uh, Financial Mistakes of New College Grads, Financial Mistakes of Young Americans. I wrote some more technical stuff within financial planning space. So it it's just like you don't start out running ultra marathons. You start out running 5Ks, then, you course, yeah. 10Ks, then half marathons. Then you start doing marathons and you do a couple of those. And you can even then start comprehending doing bigger things. So, yeah. So your first your first book was more, was more or less like a uh, like a short story on 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 Kindle, correct? I mean, yeah, that's what it, it seemed. Like. It was short. It was to the point. It was very yeah. succinct, and it was not written from the point of view of an author trying to have impact. It was written from the point of view of a subject matter expert trying to convey knowledge and give tips. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised. Some of these short stories, I mean, they sell, man. Hey, Florida. Is your broadband where it's supposed to be? Is your internet as fast as it should be? Well, take the one-minute test. Head over to visitfasterflorida.org and find out today, guys. Tremendous broadband for a faster Florida, for a faster tomorrow, guys. Savage Unfiltered. Uh, they pay out a very high royalty rate. I think it's like 70%.
So yeah. if you want to write these short stories, these novellas, these 30, 50 page things and sell them for a dollar, you're going to get paid 70 cents. If you sell a hundred thousand of them, that's a $70,000 oh, yeah. gig. That's actually yeah, more money than yeah, you're taking yeah, I was about to say, you're taking your enterprise to the moon, man, when it gets to that. Uh, you know, folks, uh, today we're joined here by uh, Joe Teplin, uh, an author and writer uh, on on many, many uh, uh, great no uh, novels, books on uh, Kindle. And, uh, you know, Joe, I want to mention something here. You know, we're, we're talking about short stories. I, I happen to have a book myself on Kindle. It's actually my first book. I haven't really made a thought of, you know, writing another book because the first book was actually a short book. It was a political book and, uh, you know, entitled, you know, uh, Can America Can, uh, Survive After Biden? And uh, <laughs> I've gotten a couple of sales on it, uh, you know, at, at nothing crazy or nothing like that. But, uh, uh, you know, for those who are just getting into this industry, Joe, uh, do, do you have any suggestions or advice on, uh, on where to start? So one of the things that I've done poorly with, so I want to make sure that people make different mistakes than what I did and learn from me, is right. to embrace the Stephen Covey idea of start with the end in mind. Because okay. like, I wrote my book and then I started looking, oh, maybe I should go get an agent. Maybe I should find a publishing deal and all that. And that's sort of backwards. So one of the things is write your book proposal. Write you know, what your book's about, why an organization's going to pick it up. Even if you're going to self-publish or go Kindle Direct Publishing or anything like that, write out the value statement around it huh. so that you understand at least. Because if you're going to find a literary agent, if you're going to go for a traditional publishing deal, you're going to need to sell the book because they're in the business of making money by selling books. So you need to sell it that way. Yeah. And yeah, a lot know, of people, at least do that then in parallel with writing your book, you know, as to the why. My book, I actually, you know, arrogantly thought that the message was so important that it could sort of stand on its own. And so as Ryan Holiday talks about, writing a book is like you're running a marathon and, you know, you do all 26, two miles, you put everything that you got to it, you're completely, you know, almost broken out of energy and you cross the finish line and they pull you over to the side and you think that they're going to put the mylar blanket on you and give you your medal and you're going to get a beer and no there's another starting line and now you have the entire next marathon of editing marketing doing podcasts publication you know everything yeah. around getting what you just did well, that's when, that's when the enterprise starts to sink in, Joe. I mean, you know, a lot of people, when they uh, when they get into the first book, you know, or, or the thought of writing a book, you know, their mind is so lost. Naturally, it's lost. They don't know how to tackle it. They don't know where to start. They don't know what publishing company to do. A lot of people, and I've, I've heard from, you know, some friends and some uh, you know, some some colleagues of mine, you know, even even other people, too, that I've had on the show, uh, they they get to that point where they're like, you know, uh, uh, oh, shit, you know what? Like what what, uh, you know, what route should I go to? Like, uh, you know, sh should I go to that publishing company? Should I have somebody write it myself? Then then they go there and then they, they're stressing over. Oh, I got to spend thousands of dollars for somebody writing a book. Can I you know, can I write it? So it's 
it's a huge headache. But you know, in the end, I think it's it's a it's a huge investment. Yeah, and most, the the old saying, "Many paths lead to the mountaintop." That's true. So true in writing. You know, some of us like I wrote all my own stuff, uh, ghostwritten for others, because I love writing. It's uh, a gift that I have that I have worked on for decades to enhance. And as my yeah. mom and the great writer Steve Prefontaine said, you cannot use the gift as a sin. So I write. I'm not great at marketing. I freely admit it. So yeah. I reached out to other individuals. I'm joining other organizations. I'm hiring people around that because, yeah, I could take the time to learn it, but it's better for me in this situation to hire that out and focus on the writing and the speaking and uh, the podcasting and the things like that, that one, I really enjoy, and two, I've got even a modicum of talent with. You know, sitting there yeah. coding and doing A-B testing and, you know, choosing yeah. what font, that's not me at all. Well, speaking of podcasting, you mentioned podcasting, which is very, very, very interesting because I've heard the uh, that term, uh, you know, between the uh, the two terminologies with with podcasting and uh, and with, with writing books. Do you find uh, podcasting very similar uh, to you know uh, either um, listening to the book or or actually reading a book? Is, is there similarities at all between both of them? I actually think that it's more like teaching. You think so? Yeah. Because, you know, having taught martial arts for decades, having taught in the college environment and the high school environment, actually going in and volunteering on junior achievement, you know, done oh, wow. doing a lot of professional training. Podcasting is a lot of ways a wonderful discussion. And well, it, it's modern talk radio. I mean, you know, it's, you know, back in the day we had, uh, you know, the form of terrestrial radio where <laughs> you, you only had a certain choice. There wasn't uh, variety then. Now there's so much and variety. Also it was, um, it was yeah. like in the old days, you know, hurry up. It's, it's coming on. Run, run. You know, so it, now things are asynchronous. People can listen to this conversation whenever. Mm -hmm. And they can oh. do it multiple times if we actually do a good job in terms of giving them. That's what's great right about podcasting. It, there's never an expiration date on podcasting versus the old tra uh, traditional radio. You know, like podcasting is, you know, you hear this episode, it's still going to be on Spotify. It's still going to be on all these other pl uh, podcast platforms unless, you know, for instance, you know, you, you just you want to plot. Uh, you know, pull the plug yourself or <laughs> you made a mistake somewhere and hopefully you don't do that. And, you know, the, the platform pulled the plug on you. But, you know, podcasting is here to stay, I think, Joe. Yeah, because it is like it is an example of 30 years ago, there were three TV channels and then cable started coming mm -hmm. out and you had this proliferation, you know, so there were a certain number of radio stations and then they extended. This is yeah. the same way in that it's allowing individuals with a voice and a message to be able to produce content and get it out there. Yeah. And, and it's and, a wonderful marketplace for publicity too, to get your, uh, you know, your product or your material out, you know, such as yourself, you know, you coming on a podcast, you know, you're, 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 you're basically uh, self-promoting your pro your product, your, your book. 
I mean, you know how many people can listen to this? I hope people buy my book. I really do, because that's how I buy my beer. But it's actually part of a grander mission. Oh, by far. My goal is to reach and help positively impact 100 million people over the next 12 months. Because we have the natural entropy of the world. We've got, you know, dark days coming. We've got dark forces out there. We've got laziness and apathy and Uh, all these other things. And so I want to be able to reach 100 million people and have some form of positive impact on them to improve their life, to improve their decision making, to improve their outlook, to give them hope and the kick in the butt so that they can become more excellent. I don't care if it's through podcasts. People buying books, which is great because it buys me donuts and beer, um, you know, <laughs> reading articles I write, going to the website, listening to me on TV or radio. It's all part of this trying to serve the community and help others. And if uh, I can reach that goal, that's a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, but it's what motivates me. And I have this big vision and it drives me and energizes me so that I can do, you know, multiple hours a day talking to people and sit there and write things and work a 15 hour day. And at the end of it, I'm tired, but it's a good sort of tired because I'm doing it for a purpose. Yeah. Joe, I got to make a a small little goof here, a joke here. Uh, uh, Donuts and beer. uh, That doesn't sound good. (laughs) Well, I don't have it at the same time because they don't go well with each other. Um, But, you know, ultra marathoners actually have among the worst diets on the planet. So I'm actually really good with my diet. Oh. 14, 13 days out of 14. Maybe even 28, 29 days. Uh, well, I think it's, I, I think that's your, yeah, I was about to say that. I think that's your traditional, uh, you know, American diet, you know, you know, stuff like donuts and beer, or, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, that's energy drinks. And uh, America's obese because yeah. they have it, but they don't earn it. As uh, Matthew McConaughey says in his book, Green Lights, earn your Saturday night. So for example, a couple uh, of weeks ago, I took a business trip and God, God was it horrible. I mean, I am oh, an extra 24 hours to get out of there. Hey guys, if you're trying to look for an organic product, right, you're getting tired of using the over-counter medication that's filled with chemicals filled with all those nasty nasty cancerous ingredients guys head over to live that's right guys live what is live rishi it's an organic cbd oil company that uses natural hemp oil in their products guys as you can see i'm out and about right now you develop a rash from walking in the park grab that Live Rishi cream with you. Rub it on there. I'm telling you what, guys, it's going to work like wonders. It's going to work like wonders. Use promo code SAVAGED UNFILTERED for 20% off your entire order, guys. And I'm telling you what, that's a great deal. 20% off your entire order. LiveRishi.com. Grab it today. in terms of support of the book, all this stuff. It was just absolutely horrible. So I get back home and my buddy's like, like, you deserve a beer. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to have one because I didn't earn it. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's, You know, if I run 10 miles, I'm allowed to eat donuts. You know, if I 
you work out, I can have a beer afterwards. But if I don't, I don't deserve it. And so I don't have it. And it's not like this, you know, amazing amount of discipline, like, you know, uh, Dwight White and uh, Dodgeball, Electricum, South Point, Tri-3, Toyota Donut. It's just this if-then statement. It's a deal that I've made with myself. It's having the personal standards. If I earn it, I can have it. But if I don't earn it in my own mind, I don't deserve it. So, you know, well, yeah. beer, it's not going to taste as good as a beer that you earn. Yeah, one of those metaphors to live by, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean... You you reap what you sow, but if you don't sow, you don't deserve to have the harvest. So if uh, I don't do what I'm supposed to at work for that day, I don't deserve to get paid. Yeah, some powerful words, it's Joe. A different attitude. It's a more old school. You know, it's from growing up on the farm, an agrarian society. Like when the country was founded, ninety five percent of the people lived and worked on farms. And if don't work, you don't eat. I like to eat. Therefore, I've got a work ethic. Yeah, that's uh, some powerful words there, Joe. Uh, Joe, close it out here. I, I do want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, you know, uh, wow. <laughs> After hearing your uh, your story, uh, man, I mean, that's a tremendous story. I mean, you you pretty much touched and tackled everything in life. Like I said, you know, uh, Joe Teplin, you know, a, a traditional American, but, you know, uh, I mean, wow. <laughs> but Michael, I'm not that exceptional. I'm an average Joe in a lot of ways. I just, you know, connected work and success the same way that generations of immigrants have. You come to America, you roll up your sleeves, you work hard, and it's the land of opportunity. And this is something we need to be reminded of. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Whining, but you know, what I, mean by... you know, thinking that you deserve it, all you deserve yeah is the chance at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Love yeah, but get to work and build your own American dream. Yeah, if I may add, you know, I, I was going to say something, you know, like what I mean by, you know, a traditional American, but you've touched, you know, on, on, on so much uh, that life can, you know, pretty much throw at you. You know, uh, this is stuff that, you know, we don't see today in, in a modern American society. I wish I, I wish the society that we've had today, Joe, is, is a lot, you know, uh, was, was was similar to, you know, my generation or your generation. But we don't see that. We see, uh, you know, laziness. We see, you know, just it's just uh, it's I, an I don't mentality because we've we've moved so far along the line of uh, everything's easy. And I have yeah. a saying, convenience kills. Oh, yeah, I heard that saying before. It does, okay. and it's definitely killing it. The opposite of excellence. Convenience versus commitment. You know, you do the hard things, and it makes you better, and you can do more things and have a better life. But if you do, you will know, always take the easy route. You'll never have strength. You'll never have uh, moral fortitude. You'll never have resilience, and you will never get the great rewards you'll just get you know the scraps at the table yeah uh i'm gonna leave it at that joe uh, i wish i can uh, have more time to talk to you because i mean you sound like a remarkable person uh guys uh you know you just heard joe teplin uh you know an author an entrepreneur uh, a writer, uh, just about everything, guys. If you want to follow Joe, you can visit uh, the intro machine. 
uh, to read more on this as well as his books, projects, and uh, check out uh, some of his uh, blog uh, entitled Excellence Blog at his website at every dash excellence.com joe it's been an honor man excellence.com because every day we have a chance to be excellent uh, absolutely amen to you joe uh thank you for joining us today joe and, and you have a, a tremendous day sir michael thank you be excellent and grow today